Well, welcome to Thanksgiving weekend worship, the first Sunday in Advent. I'd like to thank uh, Chance and Caitlin Morphew for uh, lighting the Advent candle for us um, this week. And this is the first of the Advent Sundays. And this, as Sarah said, is the candle of prophets. And uh, we're grateful for all of our families here at Eastside. But each week, if you're not familiar with the tradition of an Advent candle, uh, each week we will, from this wreath area that we've got over here, each week we will be lighting one of these lamps as a reminder, as a way of preparing our hearts for the Christmas experience. And as you can tell, our team has been at work. Uh, Kayla, and Pastor Kayla, Pastor Mark, uh, they've been at work with a team full of people who have been getting this place ready for this Friday night. And I wanna invite you, particularly families, um, I just wanna let you know, and kids, I know it's family worship today, so if you're you know, over the age of three, you're in here with us, I just wanna say to you, thank you so much for, um, for being here, and I wanna let you know that this Friday night, you don't wanna miss this, all right? Because what we're gonna do is we're gonna tell the story of Christmas, but you as a family have lots of opportunities. There will be hay rides, not hay rides, wagon rides, carriage rides, uh, there, there will be opportunities for you to, uh, to make uh, crafts together as a family. There will be, uh, here we will tell the Christmas story. And over to my left, your right, there will be live animals in Bethlehem. And it, for those of you that are looking up on the platform and you're going, wow, why, why is it set up that way? It's because we want you to know Christmas that started 2,000 plus years ago is now in our hearts. And so we light the candles of the Advent wreath. We take these Sundays in December to prep ourselves for this season of experiencing the Christ. But here at Eastside, we're always looking for ways to build the anticipation and to serve our community. And so Friday night on the 2nd and Friday night on the 9th, we're gonna have in a part of, of this, which, oh, by the way, uh, there's a place that you can have a professional photographer make uh, pictures for free with Santa Claus. Uh, so know, know that that's going to happen. But also we want to communicate with our, our community. And the, uh, we're going to be having vendors who are here who are all teachers in Anderson Community Schools. And they are helping raise money for an ACSC project called ACSC Cares. And so we're partnering with our local school system as a part of a Christmas experience in order for you to, to support and be a part of that. In addition to, I just have to say thank you for what you've already done uh, for the Operation Love and Christmas Families. Because my friends, a week ago we told you there are several ways that you can participate. You can you can serve and, and sign up, and I want to encourage you. I, I know that uh, Andrea Baker, the director of Operation Love, would be more than happy to have you be a part of, of helping over 360 families, over 750 children from this community have Christmas. But I, I want to thank you, because we also told you that in addition to coming and serving, you could also give. And folks, in a week, you've given over $10,000 to help families in this community. And I just want to say thank you. That blows me away, okay? You can actually whoop a little more. Somebody over here got that, all right? Because that's, a, that's an amazing thing. 
for you as a congregation to do. And by the way, we're not done yet. We're going to still keep, keep, keep uh, receiving that if you'd like when you give on our app uh, or through our website or if you're here on campus and if you just want to give something for Christmas families on the memo section, just write in the memo section, Christmas families. And we want to make sure that every child who needs food and needs clothing. Uh, actually was emailing back and forth with Andrea Baker yesterday. She said over 200 children make requests for shoes. That, 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 I mean, we're not talking about kids who want, who want to have just, you know, a new toy. We're talking about, about children who, who are asking for clothes for Christmas. So we just want to say to you, thank you for being a part of that. Let's continue to do that. So at my house, Christmas already started. Now, historically, when my boys were growing up, Christmas didn't start until after the Thanksgiving meal. Then we would go to buy our Christmas tree. Now, all the years we've lived in Anderson, we would go to Gene's Root Beer Stand, buy our Christmas trees. But somehow, during the pandemic, Gene's Root Beer Stand quit having Christmas trees. I don't know who to talk to about that. If you know somebody about it, put in a request from Pastor that Gene's Root Beer needs to sell more than root beer. We need Christmas trees again, all right? But we go and we find our Christmas tree, and then we'd bring it home and we would decorate. And it would always start like the evening of Thanksgiving after you clean the dishes off. But somewhere along the line, my wife loves Christmas. And we have, right now, I've counted last night, we now have 14 Christmas trees already up and decorated. And she started decorating, this is not an exaggeration, on Halloween, while, while the kids were you know, coming to get the candy, a couple of years ago, this started. Now, this year, we had to go be with our grandkids and trick-or-treat with them, and that was really cool, all right? But, but a few years ago, she was so excited about Christmas that she started, I'm handing candy out to children in costumes, and behind me, she's putting Christmas lights up. And so Christmas has already started in our house, and it's an amazing place for us to be. And we're going to ask you, uh, for those of you who are well, online or on campus on December 18th, we're gonna open our home and say, hey, you wanna come see if pastor, really, some of you are gonna come and count the Christmas trees, I promise, all right? But we wanna invite you to come and uh, just have a time of fellowship at, at our home uh, on December 18th. We'll get you more information as we get closer to that. But anticipating Christmas is what the Christmas story really is all about. And when we start lighting the Advent candle or when we start prepping the platform or when we start partnering with people in the city to make a difference in the lives of children and families in this city, it's, a, it's an amazing time of anticipating what God is wanting to do, what God is going to do in the life of his people. And, and so today, we're gonna, we're gonna begin a series a series that we're simply gonna call A Christmas Family. Because in the culture right now, if you, if you watch movies, I mean, I know some of you, your Christmas starts with A White Christmas, all right? Others of you, you've got your Dickens A Christmas Carol. There are others of you who watch Miracle on 34th Street. I mean, all of the different Christmas shows, some of you are just addicted to the Hallmark Channel. I got it, all right? Some, some of you think Christmas is all about, you know, Norman Rockwell and Thomas Kincaid and, and all of that. But, but here's what I want you to know. Before there were all of these human creations about a Christmas family, there was a real Christmas family. And, and when we start learning about the actual Christmas story, and as we start preparing our hearts, this year I, I wanted us to take a look at the family members 
The, the story of Jesus' birth is set in, in a family, in an extended family. I mean, like some of the people you ate with on, you know, on Thursday, your, your cousins, your aunts and uncles, the, the people that, that you gather and, and you, know, you, have, you walk in and your kids look at you and go, and who is that and how are we related, all right? Well, you're still family. And, and in the Bible, when we get the story of the birth of Jesus, it's set in the context of Jesus' extended family. Luke tells us the story. Listen as I read for you from Luke chapter one. A couple of things I want you to, to notice. See, the Christmas story doesn't begin with shepherds and wise men. It doesn't begin with Mary and Joseph and a baby Jesus. Now, the Christmas story begins with an old priest named Zechariah, a Levite from the tribe of Abijah, and his wife, Elizabeth. Uh, they were, well, listen to how Luke describes them. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and both were advanced in years. See, the Christmas story starts with the activity of God in the life of a family. And, and if we're gonna understand the birth of Jesus, even those of us who are single or those of us who were married and now we're not or, or, or those who are estranged from family, those of you who've had loss, like hundreds of thousands of other people in this country over the last several years, there are empty places at the table after a pandemic. But if we're gonna look at what it means to be a, a Christmas family, we've gotta look beyond, forgive me, Thomas Kincaid and Norman Rockwell and the Hallmark Channel or the Great American Family Channel or whatever channel it is, whatever movie, we've gotta look beyond that to the original Christmas family. The family that God decided to utilize to let the entire world know how much he loves us. And so he picks these two old people, Zachariah and his wife, Elizabeth. And he picks their situation. Now, I, I love the way Luke tells the story because before, before he wrote the words that I just read to you, he, he starts with why he's actually writing this letter, this book called Luke in your, in your New Testament. Listen to what he says. Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who were from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me, also having followed all these things closely, for some time, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you've been taught. So Luke is saying, look, you want to know about what God does in the world, how much he loves his people, how much he cares about you? I've been listening to these stories, and I've been researching this, and 
And, and I've, I've put together an orderly account so that you would know it. And when he starts the orderly account, he starts with the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth. And when, it, when you read that story, if you don't know the detail, let me give you just a little bit. So it says that he was, he was a Levite. She was from the family of Aaron, which meant they were both very religious people. In fact, he's from the tribe of Abijah. Now you gotta know that within the Levites in the first century, there were 144,000 priests. And there were 12 different tribes, different orders, not tribes, orders. He was from the order of Abijah, which meant that one, one month out of the year, these priests would leave their home from wherever they lived around the country and come to Jerusalem. And they would be there to serve, serve in the tabernacle, to do the rituals, to do the religious stuff. And so, get the math. There's 144,000 priests divided into 12 groups. The 12 groups each get to go for a month. Now, if you divide the 144,000 by 12, you're gonna end up with 12,000 in each of them, right? And 12,000 in each of those means that there were 12,000 priests who were in Jerusalem with their families for a month. And each day, now there's 30 days, maybe 31, depending on the month. And, and so each day, someone from the 12,000 guys was chosen to go into the tabernacle, into the temple, in order to make the sacrifice. And so, think about it. There's 12,000 guys for 30 opportunities. <laughs> you got better odds of being in the NFL. <laughs> there were 12,000 guys in Jerusalem waiting for the opportunity. And, and on this day, on this day, what Luke tells us is that this old guy, Zechariah, who was his wife, Elizabeth, they were righteous people. They were holy people. They were religious people. They had all the heritage they needed. They were from the right tribes. They had been faithful all their life. I, I love the way he describes them. They were righteous people. And yet, Hear me, they had no children because she was barren. See, we, we tend to think that if you're a righteous person, everything works out really good for you. But, but what the Bible teaches us over and over and over again in the stories of the Bible, in the, in the life telling of the Bible, is that life is not always easy and sometimes it's hard. And, and Zechariah and Elizabeth, they, they had broken hearts. They had broken hearts because tough stuff was tough in their life. And so here he is, going through the duty, one of 12,000 guys, when something changes. So, something changes in his life. Because he'd been coming all of his life. He'd never been in the tabernacle. He'd never, ever been in the temple to give the, the, the order of the day the, to do the sacrifice. And then on this day, on this day, everything changed. See, when God decides to change things, he does it dramatically. Listen. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth, and they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and the statutes of the Lord, but they had no child because Elizabeth was barren. Both were advanced in years now, while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot 
to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him and fear fell on him. But an angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you shall call his name John and you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great before the Lord and he must not drink wine or strong drink and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb and he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God and he will go before them in, in, before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the people, the people who are prepared to meet the Lord. See, Zechariah and Elizabeth were just doing life, y'all. It wasn't an easy life. Things were hard. And, and here he was going through his religious duty. He had resolved himself to the fact that he had no children, he had no heirs. He, he had a wife he loved, and she loved him, and they lived righteously. But, but his life, his life was just routine until that day when, miracle of miracles, he's chosen by the casting of lots to be one of 12,000 to go in and offer the incense on the altar. I mean, this is the pinnacle of his religious career. He's been offered the opportunity, and he walks in. And while he's going through what he's been trained all his life to do, he knows exactly how to do this. He's been trained. He's been taught. He's been coached. And he walks in, and he starts to burn the incense, and it's at that moment in time that God decides to break in to Zechariah and Elizabeth's life. Because here's what you've got to know. We light candles for the prophets, we prep, prepare the sanctuary of the church. We, we plan programs and outreaches at Christmas. Churches all over the community, all over the world do the same thing. Why do we do it? We do it because we understand something amazing is about to happen. But here's what was going on for Zechariah. He had no idea something amazing was about to happen. And when, he, when he's going through his routine, suddenly God shows up. Did you hear it? An angel showed up. You see, anticipation is created when God breaks into our world when we least expect it. When we, when we least expect it, God shows up and says, hey, I, I want to do something in your life. When, when, when we're just going through the regular everydayness of life, suddenly God shows up and God says, you know what? I want to change your life. I want to do something you never anticipated. I, I, want to, I want to heal that hole in your heart. I want to, I want to make that relationship that's broken whole again. I, I, want to, I want to change your outlook from one of negativity and despair and cynicism to, to one of joy and positivity. But the problem is, see, when God breaks into our world and we've already got our world figured out, we've already got all the pieces in place, we already know exactly how it's supposed to go, then when God breaks into the world, it's not a joyous thing, it's something that just 
absolutely, absolutely knocked us off our feet. Because we weren't expecting that. That wasn't what we planned for, for God to show up. I mean, look at it again. While he was serving as priest before God when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he's following the religious rules. He's chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were outside praying. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And I love this. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him. And fear fell on him. See, the fact of the matter is, when a messenger of God shows up, when an angel of God shows up in your life, the message and the appearance of that is so dramatic that it challenges everything in your life. I know, I know some of you are like, well, I got a few questions for the man. Well, no, you don't, all right? I, you know, if, if God had just talked to me, no, no, listen to me. When the power of God shows up in your life, when God himself, through his spirit or through his angels, steps into your life, you've got to know something. Your reaction is going to be the same as Zacharias. Remember, he's a righteous man. He's a blameless man. He's a priest. He's religious. And he's scared to death. Because God just showed up in his world. See, when God shows up in your world, you're not expecting it. You've got the routine down. You, I mean, come on. Some of you have already bought all the Christmas packages and you have them wrapped and you've hidden them in the closet. Christmas holds no excitement or joy because you got it done. I mean, how many of you, after, if you hosted your family Thanksgiving this year, if it was at your house, now don't raise your hand on this because you could get in trouble, all right? But if it was at your house, when it was over, you went, oh. God, I'm so glad we got that done. <laughs> or maybe, maybe you have, you know, some of those relatives who show up and they kind of cause all the ruckus and then they leave. And when they leave, everybody goes, Phew. check that off the box for another year, you know? See, see, we become people of routine, people of pattern, people of predictability, people who want to control our environment. And when we try to control our environment, we rule out the miracle and the activity of God. That, that, that's why I told you, anticipation is created. When, when, God, when God shows up unexpectedly in our life and says, hey, listen, I want to talk to you. And, and I love this message. For years, I read this message that the angel said to Zechariah, and I, and I missed it, because I'm running to the history, right? I'm, this is the birth of John the Baptist. John the Baptist is the cousin of Jesus. John the Baptist is the precursor of Jesus. He's the one who was like Elijah, preparing the way of the Lord. He's prepared. I'm all into the, the salvific moment of it, and I forget the human moment of it. Because the human moment of this is here's a blameless, righteous man married to a woman he loves and they've been faithful to each other their entire life. They've done all the right things and their hearts are still broken. And God showed up through the angel Gabriel and said, hey, listen, I want to do something amazing in your life. And what was his reaction? Same as yours and mine. What? You're, you're, you're who and you want to do what in my life? 
He was afraid. But, but it's not until we have that breakthrough of the unexpected in our life that we understand what it means to anticipate what God wants to do in our life. It's not until we, we have that breakthrough of the unexpected in our life that we understand that God really does know us and he really is there for us and he really does care for us. And, and what I love about this story, once you get beneath all the prophetic stuff of, of who John the Baptist was and the Nazarite vow he was gonna take and, and the whole part that he was chosen to prepare the way for the Messiah and you get beneath that, you got a man and a woman who don't have any kids and God says, I'm not only gonna give you a child, I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give you the child who's gonna prepare the way for the savior of the world. We wanna talk about unexpected. And if you don't know this story, let me tell you the rest of it. Because what happens is that when the fear fell upon Zechariah, the angel began to speak and he says some pretty amazing things. Because you see, anticipation's created not only when God shows up unexpectedly, but, but when God meets our needs in order to meet the need of someone else. He, he shows up to meet the need of Zechariah and Elizabeth for a child. Gives them this amazing promise. And, and he talks about who John will be, all the things I read for you. And and Zechariah is scared to death. And Zechariah says, you know, you know, wait a minute, how's this gonna happen? But, but listen to it again. Before you get to the denial and the resistance, listen again to the description of who John will be. He will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before the Lord their God in the spirit and power of Elijah, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. See, what, what God does is he sends Gabriel with this message, and, and Gabriel says, look, Zechariah, I know you, you and Elizabeth are, are, are blameless, you're righteous, I know your hearts are broken because you don't have a child. I'm going to meet that need. But I'm going to meet the need in your life in order to meet the needs of the entire world. Because your son, who you're going to call John, by the way, is going to be the one who is going to, he's going to make people aware that they need God. He's going to, he's going to prepare the way for the Messiah. Now, Gabriel, Gabriel doesn't tell Zechariah. Remember, we've got, we've got the advantage of history. We've got the viewpoint of being on the other side of the story. We know about Bethlehem. We know about Mary. We know about Joseph. We know about wise men. We know about shepherds. We know about Jesus. Zechariah didn't know about Jesus. He didn't know that his wife's cousin, Mary, was gonna have a baby he didn't know that the family reunions were about to get really, really interesting. Because here's his, his excuse me, ladies, his wife, who's an older lady who does, can't have children, showing up pregnant, 
And here's Mary, who's betrothed but not married to Joseph, showing up pregnant. Family Thanksgiving was never the same at their house, (laughs) ever. And so what did he do? He did the same thing you and I would do. See, when, when, when God breaks into your life in unexpected ways, in unexpected places, and he meets your needs so that you can meet somebody else's need, it's an overwhelming thought. It's an overwhelming thought. I, I told you a little earlier that yesterday I exchanged emails with Andrea Baker from Operation Love, a very, very faithful, very good leader for that organization. And, and uh, she, she sent me an email and said, hey, Pastor Kerry, I know you had, you had said something to me, which I had at a gathering here in the city a few weeks ago. I, I, just, I said, hey, listen, Andrea, I know there's a lot of stuff going on right now. I, I just want you to know Eastside is going to continue. We've partnered with Operation Love, y'all, for over 20 years. I said, and we're going to continue that, but, but here's the deal. I know you've got a whole list of people, and, and I just want, if you run out, if you get a place where you're not sure the, the resources from the Alliance of Churches have, have come out, I, I, I spoke for you, okay? I said, just call me. East Side will make it happen. Now, some of you are going, Pastor, you just spent our money. Well, yeah, because you have done that. Year after year after year. And so I, I just, I, I, I quoted her an amount of money. I said, look, we're gonna send some money, but if, if something happens and you need more, just, just let us know. We'll, we'll find the money. So she sends me an email yesterday. And the email says, hey, Pastor Kerry, I know you, you mentioned this, but I just want you to know that, that we've had over 200 children ask for shoes and coats. And, and so I was just wondering, um, could, could, you, could you ask Eastside to give a little bit more? Now, here's why I'm telling you the story. See, I had already been watching what you'd been giving. I was already blown away that in a week's time, you, you'd already given over $10,000. And so I, I emailed her back, and I said, um, how much did you plan on us giving anyway? Here's the fun part of the story. She, she said, I said, because here's the amount of money our people have already given, and we'll be sending you a check this week. And she sent back, wow, I only had you down for this much, and what I ask you to do is exactly how much more you've already given. Because she wasn't planning on having to buy 200 pairs of shoes for children for Christmas codes but God knew and God God had already placed it on hearts within this congregation both online and on campus and those of you who watch on demand later in the week and through checks that came in the mail and online contributions you had already begun God had already met your needs in order to meet somebody else's needs see that's what stewardship is Stewardship is realizing that everything you have belongs to God. And when you give it to him, it's because he's met your needs. And now, and now he's going to use your resources to meet somebody else's needs. But here's the deal. Some of you are going, Pastor, he hasn't met my needs yet. 
I'm still like, I'm still short here a little bit. Things aren't working right. Listen to me. In the midst of your neediness, he's going to meet your needs and use you to meet somebody else's needs. But he's going to do it in an unexpected way. He's going to do it. That's what the anticipation of Christmas is all about. That's why it's about more than the lights and the songs and the, and the programs. No, it's about people. It's about people like Zachariah, whose heart was broken, along with his wife, Elizabeth, who were going through a religious routine. They were righteous people. They were blameless people. Their hearts were right before God. They'd somehow made peace with their brokenness, and, and yet God knew of that, and God knew that the world was also broken, and the world needed a Savior, and the Savior needed someone to prepare the way. And so when God spoke to Zechariah in that temple that day through the angel Gabriel, God was instituting a whole plan to be able to meet the needs of the world in unexpected ways. That's why we anticipate. That's why we long for what God wants to do. That's why the prophets made all the prophecies to remind us that God is in control and God loves us even when there's shootings all over the country, even when there's hunger all over the world, even when there's bickering and fighting and anger and dysfunction. God is still on the throne and he's still at work. But the question is, what do you do when God breaks into your world in the midst of your neediness? Because I told you before, we're no different than Zechariah. But anticipation, anticipation is created when God is patient with us in spite of all our resistance. He's patient with us in spite of all of our resistance. I mean, look, look at what happened. Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this is true? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I'm Gabriel. You've never seen me before. I'm not part of the script. You came in here to burn the incense. I'm from the very presence of God. And I was sent here to speak to you and to bring you this good news. Behold, wait a minute. To bring you this good news and you're resistant to it. When God wants to be present in your life, when God shows up unexpectedly to meet your needs so he can meet the needs of other people through your neediness, your natural human instinct is not Oh, wonderful. It's exactly what Zacharias was. How are you going to do that, God? What is it you're going to do? So what is he saying? I'll show you, Zachariah. Behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe my words which will be fulfilled in their time. Now, in your devotions this week, I encourage you, keep reading Luke chapter one, because here's the rest of the story. Zechariah is suddenly struck mute. He cannot speak. 
He comes out of the temple. All these people are outside praying. And as he comes out of the temple, he's making hand motions. They're trying to talk to him. He can't talk back to them. And all they conclude is, well, he had a vision. Yeah, he did. And the vision, the vision was more than a vision. It was something that created in him this amazing understanding that when God shows up in the unexpected things to meet my needs and meet the needs of other people through me, then what God does is God, God uses that time frame and he's patient with us no matter how resistant we are. Luke tells us that his time of service ended in the temple in Jerusalem. And so Zechariah and Elizabeth went home. And miracle of miracles, she conceives a child. And I love this part. And she hides it from everybody for the first five months of her pregnancy. And her statement is, God has taken away my shame. God has taken away my shame. The shame that I, I wasn't able to have a child. And now he's given me. And then, and then when the child is born, for nine months, Zechariah cannot speak. And the day that his baby is born, and the people come to him and they say, you're the father, it's your job to, to name the boy. It's a cultural issue. Dads-to-be don't get any ideas on this. Your wife needs input, I promise. But in the first century, it was the, it was the dad's responsibility. And he says, give me a tablet. He said, his name will be John. They had already asked Elizabeth, what do you want to name the kid? Well, we've talked. His name is John. Well, no, no, let's, let's go talk to Zechariah. Zechariah writes on the tablet, his name is John. And immediately, immediately, he begins to talk. Immediately, the, 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 the whole joy inside of him, and he, he, he just begins to, to, to express this, this amazement that God has shown up in his life and that God has done something miraculous in his life. And he didn't expect it, and he even resisted it. And he said, you know what, God, there's no way. I'm old. She's old. It's not going to happen. And for nine months, God was patient with him until finally he said, that baby's special, and his name is John. This Christmas, over these next four weeks, as we move toward Christmas Day, I want to ask you to be watching, to be aware, to be open to the fact that God may show up in your life in some unexpected ways. Anticipate it. Anticipate what God wants to do in your life. And when he shows up and he meets your need, understand that he's meeting your need in order to meet somebody else's need. And if you're resistant to it when he shows up, 
Here's what I really want you to know. Because some of you are sitting there going, I've already been resistant to what God wanted to do in my life. I've already pushed back against him. I've already said, how in the world can you do this, God? When that's who you are, then I want to ask you to do this. Remember that on the first Sunday in Advent in 2022, someone said in, in your hearing, God is patient with you. And his love will never, ever end. And he's waiting for you. Would you stand with me if you're on campus? If you're with us online, I, I hope you'll take a moment to join with us here. And to listen to God's spirit. And open yourself to his love, his grace, and his mercy. here for a minute and sing these words so I wait for you as God is patient with us we wait in expectation
God, thank you for sending Gabriel into the temple that day at the altar of incense for the message that he gave to Zechariah and through him to Elizabeth for the son that you gave them for John the Baptist who would come to prepare the way for your son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And some of us on this first Sunday of Advent are in need of a visit in the altars of our hearts. We're in need of a, of, of a, a word from you that, that reminds us of just how much you love us. And so in these next few weeks, as we move toward the celebration of the birth of your son, would you speak to us? Would you be patient with us when we don't understand? Would you change our lives with anticipation of your presence so that we can really discover what it means to be a part of your family? For it's in the strong name of Jesus Christ that we pray. Hey, whether you're with us online or on campus today, I, I just want to say thank you so much for worshiping with us. For those of you online, Pastor Preston has some stuff in the chat room, some links. Uh, again, this Friday night, a Christmas experience. Um, families, we, we really, this is something we really are trying to do for, for our community. I hope you'll come and join us. Uh, there will be hundreds of people here, we know. Um, if you want to join the team to welcome them, that QR code or that link in the chat room. If you're here on campus, actually out at the info uh, area in, in the connecting place, there are some yard signs, um, and, and they have a QR code on them that just says Merry Christmas from Eastside Church, but the QR code lets people connect to all of the different things that are, that are happening. And um, I know some of you, I still had mine in my garage from last year. And so I pulled it out yesterday because the Christmas lights are up. It's time, all right? And uh, I want to encourage you. If you want to pick one up, there's some out there. And then on Christmas Eve, please make your plans to be here with us. This is, a, this is unusual for us. We're not going to have services on Sunday, Christmas Day. Uh, we're going to have our service on Saturday night, the Christmas Eve service. That's not unusual for us. But we're going to restream that so that it will be available on demand on Christmas Day throughout the day. But that service is shaping up to be a really special time. And so Sarah and Heather and a team of people are, are putting the music together and I just really wanna encourage you to make plans to be here. And if you're in the online community, it will be streamed live. May God bless you. And then by the way, in case nobody's told you yet, let me be the first. Merry Christmas. Thanksgiving's over, y'all, all right?